G'day friends, welcome back. Episode 12 of The Mandalorian, The Siege, did not involve, include, or relate to in any way Ahsoka Tano. But it didn't matter because it was still fucking amazing. Carl Weathers directed this episode and Boy, can he direct, can he direct action. This episode is action-packed, and it is the furthest thing, furthest thing from a filler episode you could possibly imagine. Doesn't matter that we're not getting Ahsoka until next week, which, you know, is a little bit expected, because Dave Filoni, who was the father of Ahsoka Tano, really is directing next week's episode, and we knew that, so to think that we were getting Ahsoka this episode was probably a little bit naive, but yeah, it didn't matter in the end because this episode is great. Let's get into it. This episode sees Mando heading back to Navarro, where a lot of the events of the previous season took place. It's the volcanic planet where Grief Karga's at, where the um, Bounty Guild is operating out of in the first season. That's this planet. So we're going back there because his ship is fucked. It's in a serious mess. It's being held together by fishing nets, right? And before we actually get to the planet, we get this really great scene where he's got the child in like some sort of little like hole or a little gap between the walls trying to fix these wires. He's trying to plug, he's doing the old like don't cross the blue and the red wire and like man is trying to tell him what to do and he's just like looking at him like just like cooing at him and he doesn't know what to do it's like put the blue one where the red one is and then put the red one where the blue one is and he's just holding them and then he just ends up putting them together and electrocuting himself and it's very 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 funny very funny very funny way to start the episode okay and then we get down to navarro now before he actually lands there we check in to see what's happening and we see um cara dune gina carano's character kicking butt she is now the marshal so this is the second marshal ranked character we've seen this season after um timothy oliphant's character forget the character's name in um episode one of the season um but yeah we're back with cara dune and she's kicking butt there is a little i think easter egg in that scene after she's killed all those dudes in the room she's like picking stuff off the stuff up off the table she's just collecting some of their belongings just really just murdering them and taking their stuff but on the table there are there there's this pile of these gems that are like wrapped in like rope or taped up in some way 
and they look a lot like the gem that is the big plot device in the brand new um, Star Wars holiday special, the Lego one. I don't know if that's deliberate, I don't know if it is the same thing, but they look a lot alike. And because they've just come out a few days apart, I think that'd be a fun little Easter egg that they put in there. Uh, anyway, so Mando gets down to the planet, he sees his old friends, and in classic Mandalorian fashion, he comes down to a planet needing something done, and the people on the planet have a job that they need help with. Classic, classic Mandalorian, that's the way it usually goes. Um, but they've actually, the two of them, Grief Karga and Cara Dune, they've fixed up Navarro. So, at the end of the last season, Moff Gideon rolled into town and was messing everything up. There was a lot of Imperial presence. They've cleaned that up now. There's, like, markets in the streets. And they're running a school, which is really cool. I like that a lot. Um, the teacher of the school is a protocol droid, so the same as C-3PO. Um, and it's cool, so she's teaching, like, galaxy geography, and there's a couple of cool little things, so the big board that she's standing in front of is, I guess you'd call it, like, a star map, and it is reminiscent of the ones in the original trilogy, which I really, really like, like, any time they're planning, like, an attack on the Death Star, or, like, looking at where different planets are, they stand in front of these sort of transparent boards, that have all these lines on them and then little planets. She's the, the protocol droid standing in front of one of those. And I think that's a really cool little uh, thing to put in there. Um, she also makes a reference to the Kessel Run. She's, she's asking this, she's teaching the students about different uh, trade routes, I think. And... She's like listing them sort of in the background while other things are going on. But then you hear her talk about a, I forget what it's called, but a type of, or a specific maelstrom. And while, so in Solo, the movie, while they are doing the Kessel Run, they nearly get sucked into a maelstrom. So that's what she's talking about. So that's a cool little reference to the Kessel Run from Solo. I like that they put that in there. Um, and... What Mando and the others do while they go off on their mission is they leave um, Baby Yoda in this classroom. And he, you know, gets up to mischief as always. I'm really starting to worry that Mando is just straight up not, oh, sorry, straight up not feeding him enough. Or maybe at all. We do see the meeting together at the start of the episode, so he is feeding him. But it doesn't seem like it's enough because he's stealing food from people again. This time it's these blue space macarons. I don't know. <laughs> like he's just sitting next to this kid in the classroom. And for the first time this season, he uses the force, by the way. Not what I expected. Um, he, he, you know, force pulls the packet of biscuits over to his table and he just starts eating them, which is another funny little thing. But there is this, now this theme of Baby Yota eating things all the fucking time and I wonder if like they use it as a joke in all the previous episodes like it was kind of funny but also fucked up that he was eating frog ladies eggs he was obsessed with eating them and now he's eating this kid's bickies and he's eaten lots of other things throughout the show's runtime and I wonder if at some point like they'll they'll use it as a joke a bunch and then suddenly him eating something 
will be super important. Like, I don't know what it could possibly be, but like, maybe there'll be some plot device, some item, maybe a lot of people are after it, and then he'll just eat it by mistake. And then they'll all be like, oh my god, you just ate this thing that we all need. Like, something like that. I could see them turning it, turning it into a very important plot thread that he likes to eat everything he sees. Anyway, I thought that was cool. Um, oh, and we also get reintroduced to the blue mithril, the sort of amphibious-looking humanoid creature from the pilot. So from episode one, season one. Um, played by Horatio Sands, and he is as, honestly, he is as boring and useless as ever. When he popped back up in this episode, I thought, ooh, I wonder if he's going to do something interesting. Maybe he's going to betray them. I don't know. And he just really ended up being pointless. Like, they just brought him back for the sake of bringing him back, really. He didn't really bring much to the episode. I don't really, like, like, there's nothing wrong with him. Per se, like they get a couple of jokes out of the fact that he's amphibious and they live on a lava planet, so it's hot. So he keeps complaining about it being hot, which I guess is kind of funny, but it doesn't really interest me a whole lot. But the show could do without him coming back, if you ask me. Um, so, what Grief Karga and Karen do need Mando to do is help them destroy a semi-abandoned imperial base that's on the planet so grief and kara are trying to really legitimize the whole planet make it like a trade route destination trying to you know increase the economy make people want to live there and come there right so they're trying to get rid of the last dregs of the imperial presence so they're like right come and help us destroy this facility and we'll fix your ship for you and we'll be all sweet so the three of them and the blue mithril head off towards the base and a whole lot of awesome shit goes down. I love that this show is now becoming really action heavy. Every episode now, except for episode two of this season, has been action heavy and it's been awesome. There has been so much great stuff so far in this season. They have really seriously upped the ante if you ask me. So they go into this facility. Um, it is a, is a volcanic planet that they're on. So their plan is to disable the cooling system that protects the facility from the lava beneath it. And the lava will just flow up into the place and destroy it, which is what happens. Um, to actually disable the cooling system, there's this cool moment where they have to sort of shimmy around to this control panel. And it is exactly how... Um, it's it's very reminiscent of the way that Obi-Wan Kenobi shimmies around to a control panel in A New Hope when he's sneaking around in the de in the in the Death Star. Where does he do it? On the Death Star or on a ship? I forget. That's not very good. I should remember that. But in A New Hope, Obi-Wan shimmies around a thing while he's hiding from stormtroopers, and it's very much like that, which I like. That was cool. Um... So they kill a bunch of stormtroopers. There's a lot more there than they thought. So they're like, hmm, that's weird. They move through the facility and then they come to this room. And in this room, the walls are lined with Bacta tanks or tanks of some kind, right? 
And in these tanks are these hideously deformed, you assume, dead creatures. And they kill the guards that are in this room, and then they look in the tanks and they're like, what the hell is this? And that's what I thought as well. What the hell are those? Now, what it looks like, but not what it is, let me make that clear. It looks like this is heading in the direction of the storyline of Palpatine in the sequels, in terms of cloning, where did Snoke come from? That is what it looks like. That is not the case. Um, the, the creature, the beings inside the tanks do look a little Snoke-like, but I have looked at them very closely and none of them are Snoke. I'm 99% sure. Exactly 99%. So they are all hideously deformed and they pull up this hologram to try and figure out what is going on. And it's Dr. Pershing, again, from season one, the little nervous guy who had the Camino cloning badge on his shoulder or sewn into his shirt, that fellow. Um, and he has a message for Moff Gideon. He's like, so all these tests failed. We didn't have enough blood from the subject, that being Baby Yoda. Um, if we need to run, if we want to run more tests um, on more subjects, we need more blood from the original subject. And they say that they need more of Baby Yoda's blood because they, he says, it is unlikely we will find another subject with a higher M count. That's M for Monday, right? Higher M count. What that is referring to, shockingly, is midichlorians, which I really, really like. So midichlorians were the, like, the sort of physical representation of one's connection to the Force that was introduced in the prequel trilogy in The Phantom Menace by George Lucas, and they they are present in a being's cells, and your metachlorian count, the higher it is, the more, you know, force-sensitive you are, right? There's a line in Phantom Menace where they're like, oh, Anakin Skywalker has a higher metachlorian count than Master Yoda, right? So that's what we're talking about. So when he said M count, I was like, ooh, these guys know about metachlorians. Ooh, they're looking for people who have high metachlorian counts. Ooh. And I was like, ooh, they're cloning force-sensitive beings. We kind of knew that already because we know that they're after Baby Yoda, but they're not after him, like, just for him. They're after him because he is a very, very force-sensitive being. So we now know that Baby Yoda is not just some little baby Jedi. He is a very special Jedi, it would seem. Or at the very least, like, he's the best that is available. Maybe there are so few Force-sensitive beings in the galaxy that, you know, he's the best they could get. But if they are Empire, they would know of the existence of Luke Skywalker, who would definitely have a very, very high metachlorian count. So maybe Baby Yoda has more metachlorians than Luke. 
I don't know, but it was a very, very interesting thing to include. Anyway, while they're in this room, a whole bunch more um, stormtroopers show up and they're like, fuck, we got to get out of here. So they do exactly that. And then we get another one of the best action sequences we've had in the entire run of the show. Um, they bust out of this facility using this troop carrier vehicle. And then there's this great chase with some speeder bikes, like stormtroopers chasing behind them. You get the, the speeder bike sound effect that they used in the forest scene in Return of the Jedi when they're on the speeder bikes on Endor. Like the way that they pass the, you know, pass the camera, that kind of thing. They included that sound effect, which I really, really like. Um, yeah, so they get chased by these bikes. They deal with them, and then they're being chased by TIE fighters, and you think they're in real trouble. And then Mando, who actually booked it out of there way before the rest of them, because they realized, oh, Moff Gideon still needs the child. I need to get back and get the child from the school as quickly as possible while you guys sort yourselves out. So he did that. And while they're being chased by the TIE fighters, guess who saves them? Mando in his newly fixed ship. He comes in, he shoots them all, chases one of them up into space, he gets it. It's like, oh God, the action scene's so damn good. So damn good in this episode. It's an amazing sequence. And again, with amazing music. Two episodes in a row that have had fucking great music. You can tell it really, really excited me, this episode. Really, really bloody high-quality stuff. And there's another funny moment with um, Baby Yoda while they're, like, dealing with the TIE Fighters. Mando does this barrel roll maneuver where he's just spinning around and around and around and around. Um, while him and this TIE fighter go head on and TIE fighter can't hit him. He hits the TIE fighter, shoots it, blows it up. But while they were spinning, the child's just got his arms waving up in the air. He's like, "Wee! I'm having a great time. But then once they stop spinning, he throws up all the little blue mush from the macaroons, macarons out of his, out of his stomach. And it's very, very funny. I... Like, I thought they might, I don't know, I was like, I was a little worried that Baby Yoda would just kind of maybe just become a little a background character. He might get a bit boring. They might just use the same jokes over and over again, but they have kept him interesting. They've, they add to the relationship with him and Mando every single episode and he's just as cute as ever. He's a big, big winner. Um, so then, after the whole episode, or after the main part of the episode is done, Mando jets off again, his ship's all fixed. He's like, see you guys, thanks, bye. And, and now he's off to find Ahsoka Tano, who we will definitely get next week. Mark my words. But then in the, in the final moments of the episode, we get a couple of things. Um... The, the X-Wing pilot from two episodes ago, the one that wasn't Dave Filoni, the other one, he shows up because it seems like the, the new um, Republic are trying to figure out what is going on with Moff Gideon and Mando. They're starting to investigate things. So he's on um, Navarro asking questions 
And Grave Cargo's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing happened to you. Sorry, I can't help you. Orange man, can't help you. So he just tells him to get on his way. Uh, he has an interesting conversation with Cara Dune about Alderaan, which is really uh, kind of sad, but also kind of interesting. And then we get the big cliffhanger, kind of. It's a cliffhanger. I wouldn't say it's huge, but it's a cliffhanger. Um, one of the mechanics that worked on Mando's ship, he was an undercover baddie. And he left a tracker on Mando's ship, so he sends a message up to this very new-looking Star Destroyer. A, a model that I did not recognise. We only see it from underneath, but it didn't look familiar to me, so it might be a new type of one that we haven't seen before. But Moff Gideon is on that ship, so this message gets to... Ugh. It's very late, I'm sorry. <sighs> Let me just slow down, I'm talking so fast. Let me take a breath. The message gets to Moff Gideon that they have put a tracker on Mando's ship so that they can track him down and get the baby, right? Um, when this message is delivered to him, he is in this room with all of these very fancy-looking suits of armour on the wall. And, like, there's dozens of them on, on either side. And they kind of look like sort of suits, like enhancement suits, like exoskeleton kind of, like Iron Man, uh, Edge of Tomorrow type of suits, like super soldier suits. So what we're led to believe is that what they're trying to do is create a bunch of super soldier force sensitive clones using Baby Yoda's DNA. That's what it seems like they're doing. Which is a really interesting thing to put in. I didn't expect that, but I like it. I like it a lot. Like, he's got all these black... Like, they almost look Vader-like, but less... Like, they're not to assist the wearer to breathe, they're to make them more powerful. Right. And in the little hologram from Dr. Pershing, he talks about the subject being safe or unsafe within like the procedure. So I don't know if there is a specific person who intends to be merged with Baby Yoda's DNA once they figure out how to do it safely. I don't know if Moff Gideon himself intends to do this. Given he has the Darksaber, maybe his plan is to blend his DNA with Baby Yoda's, make himself into this super soldier who would wield this lightsaber and just be extremely powerful. I don't know. Or there is some other character who we do or don't know yet who's going to be doing it. Or it was just a general the. As in, whoever the next subject is, I don't know whether or whether it will or won't be safe. I don't know. So there is a heap to digest from this episode. There is a heap to analyse. Um, but what else there is to do is to get excited about next week. We are 100% getting Ahsoka next week. It was honestly foolish of me 
to say that a week ago, <laughs> that we were going to get her next week. I should have known better. Um, now I do. But next week's episode is directed by Dave Filoni. He invented the character of Ahsoka every single time that Ahsoka has been on screen. It has been under his direction and creationship, right? So we're going to be seeing live action Ahsoka next week and I'm going to get emotional. I promise you. I'm very, very excited. All right. I will leave it there. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, Enjoy your weekend, for sure, wherever you are. Um, Remember to like and and subscribe and follow all the podcasty things for me. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. That's super important so you don't miss anything. And make sure you're still staying, um, staying safe out there. All right, I'll catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.